All right, we're going to be in Ephesians 5, and let's go ahead and pray real quick. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to worship you in the message from the Word. We ask that you guide us and help us to understand and think what we're reading about, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, and for context, we're going to start back at verse 7, which we've already read, and go through verse 11. Be ye not therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So we're going to look at this. Uh, we've been covering chapter 5, and he's been talking about we are the children of light. And we talked about how that means we are to live according to doctrine and truth. And so he goes in and he says, For this, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And we kind of think about this. We are to produce fruit. How are we to produce fruit? Well, number one, we're supposed to be, according to John 15, 5, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will produce much fruit. And if anybody has done any gardening, you know that if you take the fruit and cut it away from the, the vine before it's mature, it's not going to get any bigger. It's not going to grow any healthier. Matter of fact, it dies. <laughs> so we have this situation where he's telling us we're to produce fruit. How do we produce fruit? We get involved with Jesus. It says that the fruit is, is in all goodness. Goodness. That upright attitude of our heart that we do. And something that this goodness is more than we can do in our flesh. You, know, you can be nice to people every once in a while. You might even be able to do some kind things for them. But sometimes, isn't it hard in our flesh to do something nice to somebody? <laughs> when we go, they don't deserve it. They deserve to be punished. They deserve to have whatever happens in their life. And this happens in the world a lot. People have, have hard times. And there's a lot of people who says, well, they just deserve it. They're lazy. They're, they're not able to get, you know, get up off their butts and do anything. And God sometimes says, go out and help them anyway. And those are the hard ones to help, aren't they? When you know that they deserve everything that they're getting. In the Eastern world, they call it karma. You lived bad in your first lifetime, and so you're suffering in your next, this next lifetime. And you know, they actually believe that if they help you, they're going to have bad karma for helping you not be punished for your previous life. That's the mentality in, in, in India and a lot of the Asian world. That they're getting what they deserve, they don't need to be helped. And as a matter of fact, if you help them, you'll get bad karma on your next lifetime. This is the way the world thinks. This is the way Satan has twisted people's minds and the flesh works. And I, I understand very clearly when somebody has been mean and they deserve, you know, they deserve the hard time they're getting, they're being judged for their sins, it's hard to help them, isn't it? But we need to, in goodness, sometimes reach out and help people that don't deserve it. But you know what that does to them? It, says, it shows God's love. Because we need to come to the conclusion, number one, that we don't deserve any of the blessings that we get. 
And if you really understand where God is with this, before we're saved, there's no reason for God to help us at all. He says, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. When we were in our sins, we were enemies with God. He died for us so that we could be saved. Once we're saved, he puts on the righteousness of Christ, and it's still not us that deserves anything. But he says, I've declared you as my child. I'm going to give you, what you all the blessings, all, of, all that grace has. And we've talked about this, grace. God giving us everything we don't deserve. Just because, he says, I've paid your sins. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to give you this reward. I hope we never forget how precious grace is. When we're being blessed by God and we're going, that we never get to the place where, well, I'm just deserving this because I'm serving God. No, even when we're serving God, we still don't deserve the blessings that he gives us. It's a gift of grace. And I just want to be able to emphasize grace. I shared with you the acronym that, acronym that people use for grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. We get everything God has to give us because Jesus paid our debt. And God hands us everything. He makes us a child of himself, an adopted child, an heir to the throne. And you, when we think about that. An heir to everything God has because he made us a child. Have you ever wished that you were the, the son or daughter of somebody rich so you could have some things? <laughs> maybe not so much at this age, but maybe when you were younger. <laughs> you know, well, if I was just uh, you know, the child of this really rich person, I could have the car, I could have the trips, I could be taking these vacations. You realize we are children of, the, of God who has all the wealth in all the world, and he's promised us great things in the ne next life. And even as he looks at the next life, he gives us blessings in this life. It is wonderful to be his child and let him provide. And he does that provision. And we are to be able to go out and give this. And also, besides, besides goodness, he says that it is also righteousness. Righteousness. Integrity, virtue, and the whole idea of, of purity of life. When you come across somebody who's a really righteous person, they're living in the righteousness of Christ, they're fun to be around because you know that their, their, integri their integrity is there. Have you ever been around somebody when they speak, you don't know whether they're going to tell the truth or they're going to perform? All of us have been there. You, know, you get these people that have proven that they're not trustworthy. They're proven that they're not righteous. They tell you they're going to do something and they don't do it. And unfortunately, sometimes we find them in the church. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'll make sure this is taken care of. And then it doesn't get done. It's better off not to say you're going to do something and go ahead and do it anyway than to say you're going to do it and not do it. Because somebody's counting on that being done. And it's very important, this integrity that righteousness brings. That we are people of our word. When we say something, it's going to happen. We're going to do it. And that we do what's right. How often is it very difficult to do what's right? 
Because you look at the situation and say, well, if I do this, people are going to take advantage of me. If I do this, it's going to hurt me. I'm not going to be able to do something else. Sometimes we're going to need to just be righteous and do what we said we're going to do. Do what's good. As time gets closer and closer to the end, it's going to be harder and harder to do what's right. Because the world is flipping right and wrong on its head. Now, isn't it, you know, how many of you would have ever, especially as old as most of the people are in this room, would have ever thought that homosexuals would have guaranteed rights? You know, it used to be a sin. Even in our, you know, when we were young, it was a sin. Still is a sin, by the way, regardless of what the world says. And it was unacceptable. It was deviant behavior. And now we're being told by the governments and the people, well, you just have to accept them. Okay? It's going to get hard to stand up and say, I'm going to stand with God. It's going to get harder in everything that we do to stand with God. Part of my training this last week, they were talking about bullying. And bullying has become a big problem in our world. You know, but their answer is not the right answer. They think that if you train people that bullying is wrong and they'll eventually stop. It's not going to happen because we are human. Humans are sinners. Sinners like to pick on people. And some people who are strong enough to get away with it will be bullies. They need a heart change. They need a spiritual change. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ so they can be changed. And as long as we're willing to say that, well, that's just part of who they are, we've got to try to train them. You know, the world thinks education is the answer to everything. And it can help, but not when their heart is not right. The further we get away from God and his rules, the more evil things get. People act out because they've been taught that we're animals. And the evolutionary cycle says that, you know, the strong win. So in evolution, when we teach, teach our people that they're nothing but evolved animals, it's not a surprise when they act like animals. You know, and, and try to be the, the toughest, meanest winds. And in the jungle, that's the way it is. In the wilderness, that's the way it is. If the, the strong were to take pity on their poor animal, they would die of starvation. They're strong enough to kill, they kill and eat. Hitler was a great example of the evolutionary process pushed to its extreme. He believed the Aryan race was the number one race, and because he believed in evolution, he believed in killing off everybody else that would make his intermix with his race. He was the ultimate at, at human moving that direction. And there's been others since then. But we need the truth of God. We need righteousness. We need lives changed. When we come across somebody who is really evil and misbehaving, we need to pray for God to get hold of them. Especially if they're a Christian. If they're a Christian living like that, we really need to pray that the Holy Spirit and God gets hold of them and teaches them to be Christ-like. If, if it's a lost person, we need to pray that God gets hold of them and changes their life and that he fills their life. Because we will not act correctly without these things. And then he says that we're to live in truth. Truth. 
absolute truth that is right no matter what. Our world is being taught that there's no absolute right, absolute truth. And it's kind of funny when you're taught, though, because they'll say the statement, there is no absolute truth, which is a very funny statement to make because it's an absolute statement that there is no absolute truth. So in their own statement, they have lied to you, and yet they teach it to our students who don't know that they've been lied to. It's an illogical statement. The absolute fact that there is no absolute truth is an illogical statement. And our kids don't know this. Our young people don't know this. They don't, they've never been taught logic. They've never been taught critical thinking. And, they, and then they just buy into that, well, there's no absolute truth. I can do what I want. You know, I used to love in college to ask them, are you absolutely sure there's no absolute truth? It made them start thinking. Truth, Jesus is the truth. The word is the truth. It tells us what is right and wrong. It tells us about God. It tells us what, is, what we are to do. We need to live in truth. And how many of us have slipped sometimes in thinking there might not be absolute truth? I hear it all the time. You know, God says that we're to be married for life. Well, you know, this person just mistreats this person all the time. I guess they should get divorced. Is that what God says? No. But we will make excuses all the time. You know, well, this person deserves to be hurt, so it's not a big deal if they get hurt. God tells us we're to love one another. You know, and we can keep going on. You've, we've all heard these statements when we think about them. Here's what God says. But in this situation, it might not be true. And we have to be careful that we don't get away from this. What God says is true no matter what I think, no matter what I do, he's going to be true. And we want to be able to handle that. And it's not easy. The world is going to tell us that everything is, is different. It's going to tell us that you know, kids are going to be kids and you can't punish them because they're just being kids. God says to discipline. If we don't discipline kids, then they become adults without discipline. Yeah. If you ever talk to a police officer, they're having a hard time because there's no respect for the law. And they're coming waiting for anything to happen. And they'll cuff people quickly because they don't want to be attacked. Because they have been attacked so many times. Why? Because nobody was disciplined. <laughs> the people they're dealing with have not been disciplined. The sad thing is when the cops don't have any discipline. <laughs> and there's a lot of them out there. But we've got to live according to the way God says to live. And he says here that we're, you know, he says, verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Proving. The word in Greek is dokima. And it literally means one who tests for the genuineness of something. And it started out as, in the ancient world, they made gold coins and silver coins. And what people would end up doing is they would shave a little bit off their gold coin <laughs> and it wasn't worth as much. And then they would put it out on the market and you know, they would just shave a little bit and then eventually they'd melt the coin and make a you know, block of gold and sell the gold. And so these people, Dokima, were people that would go, they would examine the coins, they'd weigh the coins, and they'd put their stamp on it that this is a genuine <laughs> coin of the realm. 
God tells us that we're to prove all things. Is it genuine? Is it correct? What is our standard? His word. We measure everything against his word. Everything we want to do, everything that's done, we measure against his word and say, is it true? Is it genuine? How many times have we as individuals done things trying to manipulate people? Now, we do something good trying to make them be nice to us. And then we get mad when they don't respond the way we thought they were, that they should. And we feel like we wasted our time. I have many people tell me, when I did this, I, I, I went up to my, my spouse and I, and I was really nice to them for three days and they, didn't get, they weren't nice to me. Well, were you being nice because you loved them and God told you to? Or were you being nice because you wanted to manipulate them? If you wanted to manipulate them, you had the wrong motive and the wrong reason. When we go out and we do kind things, it's because God says to do it. And it has its reward. He is going to reward us. And sometimes we get a physical reward. <laughs> sometimes when we're nice, we get that nice back to us. But that's not why we should be doing kind things. When we give a tithe and offering, God promises that we're going to be blessed. Doesn't necessarily mean with physical things. If we're giving for him just for the blessing, we're giving for the wrong reason. We should be giving because he said to give. And if you don't want to give because he said to give, don't give. You can take it up with God because he's, he's the one that has told you to give. But we need to look at why am I obeying God? Am I trying to manipulate people or get something out of the deal? Or am I doing it just to be an obedient servant? Paul over and over said that he was a bond slave for Christ. Now, if you don't know what a bond slave is, it's a person who had been bought by somebody because they went into debt and every 50 years, everything was returned. Every seven years, you, were, you had to free the people. And the person could go, well, you know, I'm terrible handing my money. You've been a really nice, nice uh, owner, and you, you know, you've been taking care of me. I just want to be your, your servant. And they would put an earring through their ear and make them a servant for life. Because, but it was their choice. Paul and all the disciples called themselves bond servants of Christ. Are we truly bond servants of Christ? We're going to be, to be a servant, number one, is to do what we're told by the master. How many of us have gone to the master and said, well, I just don't think your way is very good, so I'm not going to be obedient. We might not be that bold, <laughs> but we know what we're supposed to. We've read enough of the scripture. We've been taught well enough, and we go, well, I'm just not going to do that because I don't think it's going to work. You know, God's track record is pretty good. When he tells us something's going to work, it works. And he's got a reason for it. And the great news is that all things work together for good. It may not be our good. And it may not be good until we get to heaven. But he says all things work together for good. And by my experience, when I'm obedient to him and I follow what he says, Eventually, he shows me where the good is. But it's called trust. Sometimes you're just hanging on to a verse and saying, God, you said to do this. I'm going to do it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Have you ever, do you remember back when you were a kid and your parents told you to do something? And you're going, well, it makes no sense. <laughs> I think mom and dad are wrong. And you go do what you think was right. 
and you find out the mom and dad was right? Or when you're raising your own kids and you know that something's bad for them and you tell them, don't do this, it's not going to be good. And they go out and they do it anyway and suffer what you knew that they were going to suffer. God is the same way. He's given a bunch of rules and saying, follow these rules because they're for your good. God is not a big meanie up in the sky trying to say, I just want to beat you over the head a few times with this hammer for, just for the fun of it. No, he loves us. He wants us to learn and be obedient. So we try him. We test it. We see what's acceptable. And verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. He's telling us darkness is unfruitful. It is not attached to Jesus. We need to be attached to him. We need to be vines attached to him and getting his life. Do you realize that when you're attached to the, the vine or the, the branch, you're being fed by the roots of the tree? You know, I remember a long time ago, we, we rented a place that had a tree that had all kinds of different plants and grafted, <laughs> fruit and grafted into it. The funny thing was that all the fruits tasted like, I can't remember if it was an apple tree or whatever, but they, everything tasted like the root system because that was the nutrients it got. You know, it, it would grow something else, but it would taste a lot like <laughs> the root. Now, having said that, we are supposed to be in part of Christ. We're to be attached to Christ. We get all of our nutri nutrients, all of our life from Jesus. When we're attached to him, we become more and more like him just because he's the one feeding us through the roots. Again, it's the whole idea. We keep teaching this. It's not me trying to change myself. It is God changing me. He's feeding me through the root system of Jesus, and he's giving me the nutri nutrients I need to become more like Jesus. All I have to do is let my flesh be crucified and die and live according to what he's feeding me. As he comes into me and pours out of me, we want to keep that in mind. Unfruit, unfruitful part of the works of darkness. And it says we're to reprove them. And I don't really necessarily know if that's a great word, but it is to refute them, correct them. How often do we not correct people, especially family members, that are going the wrong direction because we're afraid of what they're going to say to us. Well, you're just a religious nut. You're, you know, you're, you're taking this Jesus thing way too far. You know, just let me live the way I want to live. We've got to be careful of that. Because the result is if they're not in Christ, they have not become saved, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And we need to get to this point where we understand, I would rather have them think that I'm a fruitcake and a nut than to have them go into hell. Because I don't want to be the one that didn't tell them as they're sent into hell for eternity. We need to get this boldness to talk to people, share with them what God says. And we don't have to be mean and nasty to them, but it's, you know, it can be very simple. You know, this is what God says about this activity. This is what God says about this. Here's a verse that you need to look at. And you know, people will go, 
Well, I don't believe the Bible. You know what? When I'm witnessing to somebody, I don't care whether they believe the Bible or not. I'm going to give them the Bible. Why? Because God says his word does not return void. They've got to have truth. They don't need to have me say, well, okay, in your case, I'm not going to give you truth because you don't believe it. Truth is truth whether they believe it or not. You can have somebody saying, I don't believe in gravity going up to Windy Point there and jumping off the cliff, saying, I don't believe in gravity. And unless they put a parachute on, they're going to be down here at the bottom in chloride, not alive. They go to the Grand Canyon and say, well, I don't believe in gravity and step off. And they're going to have to send a rescue team down there to go get them. And they won't be alive. It doesn't matter whether we believe the truth or not. Truth is truth. And we need to make sure people understand it. We share the truth with people. We share the Bible verses with them. This is why we need to get into the verses. It says, Wherefore all shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed to your command. How do we cleanse our way? We take heed to his command. How do we know his command? We put it in our heart. We want to be able to share with him, this is truth. This is what's honest about it. It says the word of God is a lamp unto your feet. If you don't know the word, you don't have a lamp at your feet. If you don't know the word, you don't know what's right and wrong in the situation that you're facing. And people will tell me, well, I just can't remember, I can't memorize. And it's kind of interesting, though, that people can memorize a whole lot of things they want to know. People who are in sports, they tend to memorize the stats, whether it's auto racing, knowing how, how fast this person averaged, or baseball with all the home runs and batting averages, or football players knowing what they're doing. You know, if you're into knitting and sewing, you kind of learn the different stitches. You memorize the stitches. You memorize how to do these different activities. We memorize what's important to us. Can we memorize? Absolutely. It may take a lot of repetition. You know, if you want to memorize the scriptures, put the verses up in front of your mirror and start speaking, saying the verse out loud as you're combing your hair or brushing your teeth. Just read it off the wall. Do that for, you know, depending on how fast you memorize, you know, a week, a month, two months. You know, what if it takes you six months to learn the verse? That's two more verses a year that you're learning than you're doing otherwise. Okay? You're not... I'm not saying you have to learn one every day or every week. But if you learn one a year, that's still one more verse that you've learned that you didn't know that's been applied to your life. Pick your verses out. Get a good concordance on it. Say, I want to learn about lying or truthfulness or, or not gossiping or whatever it might be that you want to, want to learn about. Memorize that verse. Because what's important to one person may not be important to you. But you just sit there and you repeat that verse over and over again, morning and night. Or if you have a better system that you like, use it. It doesn't really matter. But if you were to take even just one verse a year, and I can guarantee everybody in this room could learn one verse a year if you wanted to. And if you did nothing but repeat the verse morning and night for a year, that's repeating it over 700 times, you'll learn it.
you will. And I guarantee you, it'll probably be easier than that because it's something that it should be something you want to learn because of how much it's going to help your life. And then once you've memorized that one, put it away, for, re, just review it every month or so and, and put another one up there and learn it. The word is what will keep our hearts. The word is what will keep, guide us. And it's so important that we keep his word in our mind so that we can grow and move forward. We're going to close. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that has not, does not know you, we ask that they will just pray and admit that they're a sinner, admit that they deserve punishment and that you paid that price, and that they would come and talk to some Christian and tell them about that decision. Lord, for the rest of us, we ask that you help us to learn your truth, be willing to stand and prove your truth, and to be willing to share the gospel with others that we come across. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.